0: All right, well, uh, we're going to open up to the book of Psalms. This morning, I'm going to give you the reference as soon as I find my notes. There we go. I hid them in the book of Acts, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> Psalm chapter 107, 107, Psalm 107. All right. Psalm 107. The title of the message here is Faith and Fellowship. And as I get into what, at least on paper, is a very lengthy introduction, um you might begin to wonder what on earth does all this have to do with faith and fellowship? But we'll get there. So but uh Psalms one hundred and seven, we'll start on verse twenty-three. It's a famous passage, and uh We're going to look at God and how he works, and we're going to look at God and how he works to establish faith and fellowship. And if you have faith in the Lord this morning, then you know how pointless faith is without fellowship, because you cannot have fellowship with God without faith. And if you don't have the faith, then you don't have the fellowship. But if you do have the faith, you should have the fellowship. And the Lord goes to great lengths to give you every opportunity to not only have faith. For God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But he also goes to great lengths to give you every opportunity to have fellowship with him. But we're like sheep. We wander, we go astray, we do, we just, uh, well we're trapped inside this, this body of flesh. And while we are saved and sealed and sanctified unto the day of redemption and we have that blessed hope, a sure hope through the blood of Jesus Christ and the saving grace of God on Calvary, we, we, uh, we still, we still struggle with uh, the daily day in and day out stuff. So fellowship is important. And uh, so let's start out Psalm 107, verse 23. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. Lord, help me to... Get this message across, Lord, and help it to be uh, according to your spirit and according to timeliness, and uh, I pray that you would uh, help me to deliver it and uh, clear my mind and calm my nerves and give me confidence, and I can be confident in you, Lord. And I thank you for all of your blessings. I thank you for being able to stand and live and breathe. And I thank you for all of your blessings to uh, this church. And uh, thank you for the ability to see Brother Stewart and uh, continue to have your hand of care upon him, I pray. And, but most, most, most importantly, Lord, if there be hearts here that need your word. I pray that I would not be a hindrance to your spirit moving, whether saved or lost. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. These see the works of the Lord, verse 24, and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth, because he has a right to, because he made it, and raiseth up the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. Talking about the, uh, talking about they that go down to the sea in ships. These see the works of the Lord. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, And for his wonderful works to his children? To the saints only? No, to the children of men. The Lord cares about all of them. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but God so loved the world that he gave You know, here we have a, fi- a form of faith. Uh, if we're just looking at mankind in general in this context, and I believe we are. You know, it takes a bit of a step of faith to go down to the sea in ships. Uh, now now there's a reason why people do this sort of thing. They want to do business in great waters. There's, it's not only it's not only a, a literal, but it's it's also a, a, a metaphor to do business in great waters to do to be involved in great things and uh this is kind of just the faith of mankind in general they they they're willing to take risks as long as there is a possibility of striking it rich my uh, my great my great grandmother um left new york and went to alaska during the gold rush now, she wasn't exactly a, a wonderful woman in the strictest sense of the word, but she had guts. I'll give her that. And um, but she came home with, uh, well, with a, uh, with, with, with some, in those days, with some shame, uh, because she was not really a godly woman. And she returned to her family, returned to her husband. She left them to go strike it rich in Alaska. But my grandmother was born in Alaska. And uh, my grandmother was the, the outcast among all the other siblings. My grandmother was really not really paid much attention to at all. My grandmother pretty much raised herself. And she ended up taking care of her mother in her old age, and her mother was the meanest, meanest woman I ever knew. Just mean. Mean as a snake. Everybody hated Nana. (laughs) And everybody was afraid of her too, except my mom. She, my mom put her in her place once. Man, I will never forget that day. She just, she just put her in her spot. She was bedridden, arthritis all over, and just mean. But my grandmother, she turned out to be a wonderful woman because the Lord got a hold of her life. And uh, she, she was a pretty amazing woman, but she went through some hardships. Uh, she, uh, she went through some storms in life. She experienced some deep waters in life. Um, but she cried unto the Lord. She cried unto the Lord and He gave her a peace and a calm that she could not have ever gotten from family. But, uh, she, she was, I mean, she was the, she was the foundation. And she was rock solid to the end. <laughs> she, she was, she was irresistible. Cause she had the Lord on her side and she knew it. She was an amazing woman. She had her flaws, but she was an amazing woman. Um, I could go into story after story, but um, um, it's because of the the Lord. The Lord did something with her. But she took some steps of faith in her life, and the Lord rewards that kind of Behavior. The Lord is pleased with faith, and I think even when mankind in general, even though it may not be faith in, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, which is what certain things, what the Lord would have life lead to, I believe the Lord uh, just in a, in a general sense just sees faith in general in people's lives, just a human form of faith, and, and, and he sees their willingness to go the extra mile and he watches over them and takes care of them and and he tries to lead them and and so this is what the Lord does for those who do leave the shore who do venture out into deep waters is what does he bring he brings trouble he brings trouble you know when you you when you lose sight of the shore you're you have you have to rely on very singular and limited options to get to where you want to go the predictability of the stars you know leads people to to consider the predictability of light you know the lord put those things there for signs <laughs> give people something To look to. Even in the blackest of night. But, uh, I mean, you think about sailors in general, they tend to be superstitious. Well, I don't know. I mean, you can say, yeah, well, this is superstition, that's superstition, but there is an element of truth to some of that stuff. And there may not be, there may, may not be dragons in the deep, you know leviathans in the deep here but they sure believe they were why because the bible says there is a there is a leviathan in the deep it's just not talking about these deeps but there's these ideas that come into play and these these legends that come up and and this stuff is based on an element of truth and it leads people to it leads people to fear and the the fear of the lord it's the beginning of wisdom, and, and so fear gives people caution in general. Now, there's two kinds of fear, and there's two kinds of faith, and we can, we can get into all of that, but it, they're still of the same thing. They're still of the same kind of thing. They're, they're categorically similar, even though their foundations are different. And when the foundation of one fails, and it will then there's one more foundation left to go to. And the Lord gives us trouble in life so that we seek higher ground, so that we seek a solid rock to stand on. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Let's turn to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. We're going to read about the disciples on the sea and the storm that came up. There's an interesting uh, thing that the Lord says at the end of it. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 verse 23. Let's start in verse 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him saying, master, master, we perish. Then he arose. And rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? Now, I put the emphasis on your. Now, maybe Jesus said it, Where is your faith? Or where is your faith? But where is your faith? It didn't he didn't say oh ye of little faith like he had, did in uh, another passage he, he he said oh ye of little faith okay you have faith but it's kind of little but here he just asks them where is your faith where is your faith and they verse 25 being afraid wondered saying one to another what manner of man is this For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Well, it begs the question, ought not we to obey him also? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Mankind ventures forth, they go down to the sea in ships, they embark on voyages and dare to sail beyond the horizon to do business in great waters. You know, Protagoras is often quoted these days in the phrase, man is the measure of all things. You know, mankind loves that kind of optimism. You know, we're the measure of all things. We can do it. We've got confidence you can do anything. I can't stand confidence. I, uh, well, it's it's not that I can't stand it. It's just I don't have much of it. <laughs> I'm the least confident person I know. <laughs> and, and I'm just being transparent with you. I just... And then when I see confident people, I think they're overconfident. No, they're not overconfident. They're just confident. Now, you can be overconfident. But usually people learn real fast that's not the way to go. <laughs> I... Learn how not to be underconfident. That's my struggle. I always fall, fall. I always err on the side of falling short of confidence, not overconfidence. Um, I uh, I do voiceover work. Um, I work in radio, and I do voiceover work for uh, a Christian gal down in Texas. And it's just you know radio ads, thirty second things, and she's constantly telling me, "Overdo it, overdo it. If you think you sound ridiculous, that's right where I want you." Just overdo it. You're selling something here. You gotta voice this thing. Overdo it. And I struggle with that. She has to constantly remind me, overdo it. And I think it, you know, sounds horrible, you know, and then, oh, you know, this is ridiculous. And no, she says, that was perfect. You overdid it. That's exactly what I want. I can work with that. I can work with that, but that, so, you know, it's not a natural tendency. Some people. But every once in a while, you get a wild hair and you just say, I'm going to get into a boat. I'm just going to go. I've done that a few times in my life. Every time I did it, it was worth it. It was worth it. Now, the the Lord watched out for me because, you know, half the time you don't know what you're doing. But. But mankind loves optimism. Oh, they love confidence and optimism, you know. It, it warms our hearts and squeezes a valiant tear from the corner of our eye and the world praises us for our emotion. You know. Yippee. Until the hard times hit. Then all of a sudden that tear isn't worth a, worth the water it's made of. But, uh, but we're pretty, But nothing ever goes according to plan. And that's a good indicator of how much mankind fails at accomplishing that which he sets his mind to do. I mean, out of all the the things that I have planned in my life, how many of them, percentage-wise, ever came to fruition? (laughs) Well, if everything had gone right, it would have worked out. But nothing goes right. (laughs) Right? Hardly ever. (laughs) 6,000 years of documented history. Mankind is on record as having failed to remember his failures. Because all we see are the successes. The failures are below the surface of the sea. They're in the deeps. That's where the failures are at. You know, when you consider that if one removes all possible aspects of divine providence, time and chance from the equation, man's successes, his business on great waters are microscopic in comparison to his enormous failures. It's staggering how narrow the margin of control that we have over our own circumstances. And then there's the sea. On top of that, there is the sea of life on top of that. I was going to give a personal testimony, but I'm not going to do that. (laughs) You know, sometimes you have to just you think about something and you have to just stop and wait. And you get the indication from the Lord after an uncomfortable silence <laughs> that, no, that's not germane to the message. So I'm going to skip that. But what does all this have to do with faith and fellowship? Well, trouble. Trouble. Where is your faith, Jesus says, Where is it? Where is it located? Do you have any at all? Man's fascination with the sea is legendary. Now, they say that the the sea tends to stir you up or it tends to calm you down because you can sit on the ocean, you know, sit on the beach at ocean shores and watch the waves and fall asleep. And they say that, generally speaking, mountains tend to stir you up. You want to climb the mountain and see what's on the other side. But, uh, I mean, I, I get the idea, but what's beyond the horizon? Everybody wants to know what's around the corner. My wife, uh, she, she used to, uh, well, she likes to paint, but you know, there's no time for such things these days, but she has a painting that she does where it's a, a blue sky and a grassy knoll. And it's, a, I think it's a wheat field. It's very kind of golden brown color. And there's this tiny little trail in the, like a game trail you'd see in a field. And it, it's going up this hill, and it's it's kind of in a straight line, but not quite. Kind of a gentle curve to it. And it gets just to the very crest of the hill, and then the, and, and then it just fades into the grass. You can't see the trail anymore. I love that painting. That painting just spells adventure to me. Where is that trail fading out at and what's on the other side of the hill? I wanna see it. And uh I, I love I love walking in the woods, I love uh driving on different roads. I'll take the kids every once in a while, we'll be coming home and we've got time to kill, so I'll just take a left. Go down this random road we've never driven down and see where it goes, you know. It's fun. They're all like, "Ooh, look at this!" All of a sudden, everything's interesting on the road we haven't been on before. Why? Because it's now an it's now an adventure. We now get to see all together something first or something for the first time. Where is this going? And uh, we just have that natural instinct in us to go and see and explore. But the sea is is like a mirror. It can be, except this mirror can be distorted. This mirror can be troubled churn made into a tempest. But man tends to forget the tales of the sea, (laughs) tends to forget the destruction it can cause, Uh, forgets the legends of the deep that cause us to ponder deeper things. These deeper things these days have all but drowned away because faith and fellowship, or at least in general, a knowledge of God has faded as Isaiah says, we have turned everyone to his own way. And there is no room for faith and fellowship in one's own way. For who are you going to have faith and fellowship with? Yourself? Forgetful man is described in James chapter 1. Let's look over at the James chapter 1. James chapter 1. The forgetful man... We forget stuff, and our faith and our fellowship fades. James chapter 1, verse 23, it says, For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. What manner of man he was. Because the last recollection was just a single period in time, and it is not a current period in time. It's the minute you walk away from that mirror, change is occurring. What manner of man? What manner of man are you? What manner of man is this? The disciple said. In an era where everybody is making a statement, everybody has a cause, everybody has a way, everybody has a, a flag to wave. Is anyone making any? causes and statements that aren't critical rather than considerate about something higher. No fellowship, no faith. For the only thing mankind desires to see is himself in the reflection of the sea upon which he wishes to sail and do business on, and he goeth his way. And he forgetteth what manner of man he was until the Lord stirs up that water. Because there is something valuable and something powerful beneath the glassy calm of the surface in which you see your reflection. you got to look deeper than yourself. you got to look higher than yourself. So what does God do to help us remember? He commands and raises the stormy wind. Such events cause us to look deeper, look beyond our own reflection, see what's beneath the surface. Hurricane Ivan hit the southeast United States in 2004. Here's an example of a stormy wind. (laughs) It holds the world record for the most storm-generated tornadoes. Two of those tornadoes passed within 30 feet of me during that hurricane. I was at work. I was in a hurricane-proof building. I worked in broadcasting at the time. And, uh, I, uh, yeah, we had two. We were in a, a small forest of pine trees, and the building was there, and there was just two two avenues on either side of the building where the pine trees were gone. Two tornadoes just ripped right by the building. Consistent wind speed at landfall was 120, gusts over 130. A sailboat, unfortunate sailboat, in the Gulf recorded a wind speed of 145. The accumulated cyclone energy rating for the Atlantic Ocean has Hurricane, Hurricane Ivan at 70, which is second only to Hurricane Syriaco in 1899, with a rating of 73. Both ratings are much higher than the combined storm total of many Atlantic storm seasons. You could have combined an entire hurricane season into that one one hurricane easily. It caused $20 billion worth of damage in the U.S., 92 direct deaths, 32 indirect deaths. In the Gulf, the waves were estimated at 70 feet high which caused pressures below the surface that caused the landslide on the gulf floor, which destroyed the oil platform with 28 producing oil wells. Ivan is credited with causing the largest, quote-unquote, ocean wave ever recorded, estimated between 91 and 131 feet high. And beneath the surface, it caused the fastest recorded seafloor current of 5 miles per hour. So I'm describing this hurricane because this is the one I remember. And um, it put a fear of God in my heart. It made me think, wow, this is beyond imagination. This is beyond what I thought I could imagine. Now, I like reading uh books, and I'm going to read a quote from... uh Joseph Conrad was a famous novelist in the 1800s and uh, he wrote a, a short story called Typhoon. And uh, he claims to have never been through a typhoon or at least through one of this magnitude, but he did collate his stories from stories that he heard from other people. And so I'm going to uh just kind of put well he just it's just a just a it's an illustration. A faint burst of lightning quivered all round as if flashed into a cavern, into a black and secret chamber of the sea with a floor of foaming crests. So this is a ship out in the sea, on the China Sea. It unveiled for a sinister fluttering moment a ragged mass of clouds hanging low, the lurch of the long outlines of the ship, the black figures of men caught on the bridge, heads forward as if petrified in the act of butting heads. The darkness palpitated down upon all this, and then the real thing came at last. It was something formidable and swift, like the sudden smashing of a vial of wrath, like we read about in the book of Revelation. This is a lost man. It seemed to explode all around the ship with an overpowering concussion and a rush of great waters, as if an immense dam had been blown up to windward. In an instant, the men lost touch of each other. This is the disintegrating power of a great wind. It isolates one from one's kind. An earthquake, a landslide, an avalanche overtake a man incidentally, as it were, without passion. A furious gale attacks him like a personal enemy. Tries to grasp his limbs, fastens upon his mind, seeks to rout his very spirit out of him. The second mate was driven away from his commander. He fancied himself whirled a great distance through the air. Everything disappeared, even for a moment, his power of thinking. But his hand had found one of the rail stanchions. His distress was by no means alleviated by an inclination to disbelieve the reality of this experience. Though young, he had seen some bad weather and had never doubted his ability to imagine the worst but this was so much beyond his powers of fancy that it appeared incompatible with the existence of any ship whatever. He would have been incredulous about himself in the same way, perhaps, had he not been so harassed by the necessity of exerting a wrestling effort against a force trying to tear him away from his hold. Moreover, the conviction of not being utterly destroyed "'returned to him through the sensations "'of being half drowned, shaken, and partially choked. "'It seemed to him he remained there precariously "'alone with the stanchion for a long, long time. "'The rain poured on him, flowed, drove in sheets. "'He breathed in gasps, "'and sometimes the water he swallowed was fresh, "'and sometimes it was salt. "'For the most part, he kept his eyes shut tight "'as if suspecting his sight might be destroyed "'in the immense flurry of the elements.' When he ventured to blink hastily, he derived some moral support from the green gleam of the starboard light shining feebly upon the flight of rain and sprays. He fell upon the uprearing sea which put it out. He saw the head of the wave topple over, adding the might of its crash to the tremendous uproar raging around him, and almost at the same time, the stanchion was wrenched away from his embracing grasp. After a crushing thump on his back, he found himself suddenly afloat and borne upwards. His first irresistible notion was that the whole China Sea had climbed on the bridge. Then, more sanely, he concluded himself gone overboard. All the time he was being tossed, flung, and rolled in great volumes of water, he kept on repeating mentally with utmost precipitation the words, My God, my God, my God, my God. All at once, in a revolt of misery and despair, he began to thresh about with his arms and legs. He's got nothing to lose. But as soon as he commenced his wretched struggles, he discovered that he had somehow become mixed up with a face, an oilskin coat, and somebody's boots. He clawed ferociously all these things in turn, lost them, found them again, lost them once more. And finally was himself caught in the firm in the firm clasp of a pair of stout arms. He returned the embrace closely round a thick, solid body. He had found his captain. It's a great story. Um have you found your captain in this life? I found my captain. I found my captain. Beneath the surface of the water, beneath the waves, beneath the reflections are those wonders in the deep that only God can reveal to you because they are spiritual. But you have to look into, as the book of James says, into his words. Let's turn, let's turn back over to James. Book of James. Verse 24, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. You get in a storm in life and you forget what manner of man you were. Verse 25 has the answer to forgetfulness. But whoso looketh into, not just at the surface, but into, beneath the surface, into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed you have to look into, not just at the surface, not just at the surface and what it reflects, but rather what God is doing in the deeps. What is God doing in the deeps? You remember Simon Peter? He, he denies the Lord, and he's a wretched, wretched man. And he says, I go fishing. I, 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 can't st- I can't sit around and do nothing anymore. I got to do something. Because the Lord's not, 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 he's not talking to me. He's not revealing himself to me. So I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out on the sea. Something drives Peter to go out on the sea. And they fish all night long. And the disciples, it's like Peter's not stable right now. We better go with them. (laughs) We go with you. And they go out and they fish all night. All night they're fishing. And you know what the Lord's doing beneath the surface? Every time they cast the net on this side of the ship, the Lord tells the fish to go around to this side. And every time they cast on this side, the Lord tells the fish to go around that side. But when the morning came, Jesus stood on the shore and they didn't need any fish. He had fish and bread upon the fire. He already had everything they needed, and uh, he tells them, you know, tells them in the other passage that Peter remembers, cast your net on the right side of the ship. Well, the only, the only way you're going to be casting the right, the which right, my right or your right, right. right? <laughs> Well, the only way you're going to cast your net on the right side of the ship, if you're going to be, if you're facing the shore where the Lord is, that's how you cast your net on the right side of the ship. But all through the night, the Lord is working in the deeps and not just the watery deeps telling the fish to stay away from the nets. I mean, they get a big catch in the morning, but Peter's fellowship is broken. He's got faith, but no fellowship. And John tells him, John tells him, it's the Lord. Peter is wretched and miserable, poor and blind and naked. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? There's a church in the book of Revelation described like that. Peter throws on some clothes and casts himself into the deeps. Swims ashore, and he gets there before anybody else does, so he can have a little private time with the Lord. Now everybody else gets there, and they're sitting around the fire, and Pete you know Jesus talks to Peter, but I wonder if since Peter got to the shore first, I wonder if he got a little bit of one on one time there with the Lord before everybody else got there he I gotta talk to the Lord in private. I wonder if there were some words shared there. Now, the Lord had a rebuke for him afterwards, but, you know, Peter could talk to the Lord, and the Lord was talking to him. He was just getting at another matter, but I believe there's something that the Lord had for Peter. And Peter was willing to brave the deeps. He was willing to jump overboard and just swim. probably the fastest 300 yards anybody ever swam. <laughs> Michael Phelps had didn't hold a candle to Peter, Simon Peter in this moment. Faith and fellowship. You know, the Lord is working in the deeps of your life, in the deeps of your heart. And sometimes when everything's stormy, oh, I know the Lord's working. Sometimes it's glassy calm. And you're on this, this, and there's nothing stirring and you're on the oars and you're just rowing day in and day out. And you're saying, where is the Lord? Where is the Lord? He's in the deeps. Lord is working mighty works, mighty works in the deeps. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ went into the heart of the earth for us. Faith and fellowships are the two things that will make eternity worth living. And eternity in hell has no faith and no fellowship. But although you have enough faith in hell to get saved, you'll, you'll, you'll. You'll have that, but it's too late. But, faith and fellowship, man. That's good stuff. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he, so he bringeth them unto their desired haven. And that's all because of God's amazing grace and his love for us. My daughter uh, wrote a poem. It goes like this: "Speaking of deeps, bear with me—I can't talk. <laughs> but you know, you, you know, you know what this means if you've been in the deep. I know everybody has." Love is deep. Love is special. Although it seems sometimes so small, it is known to all. Someone loves you from up above. He loves one and all. God is that someone, and he is full of love. God is love. Where's your faith? Where's your fellowship? That's the question that we get. That's the question. Faith and fellowship. Father, thank you for working in the deeps. You know, when we look up, sometimes we don't see what we're supposed to see. Sometimes we need to get down Sometimes we need to look down. Sometimes we need to look at your mighty power and we need to recognize how frail and full of sin we are. But as the song says, Thou art full of truth and grace. And so, Lord, I I pray that uh, your word uh, would minister to the hearts those in the storms, those in the glassy calms, that we would have faith that you are indeed in the deeps, but you are also in the heights, and that when your wind blows, the deeps move, but that you are still working in the deeps, even when it is a glassy calm and we cannot see any evidence of your power. But we know by faith that your power is present. And so, Lord, I pray that we would not just see your power, but that we would know your person. I pray in Jesus' name.